Amen. So I wanted to go ahead and get your money before I made you mad. Okay, cool. But I want to look at Proverbs 4 and 23. And like I said, I want to look at this in the New Living Translation. And um, here's what I want to say about this message here today. Um, Last week, uh, you know, I taught, and we taught this message on generational curses. But sometimes, you know, and I shared with you last week, sometimes there are times you have an assignment. And then there are times just, you know, pastoring and just as a teacher, you you just know a lot of times I just know during the message, all right, we just hit something. And we don't have the time to go there, but there's something that we need to come back to. And last week I felt like we had that moment where I thought we just hit something. And we need to come back and visit this. Um, so I had planned all week to share on something different. and uh, But I really felt instructed of the Lord that, Okay, thank you. That this is the route that we needed to go. So Proverbs 4 and 23. So like I said, I want to read this out out of the, the New Living Translation. Where he says, guard your heart above all else. Now look here. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So here's what I want to get to this morning. Um, I had originally planned and told you last week, and I I will do it, but but not today. I wanted to teach a message on the demonic, okay? But going back to the Garden of Eden... When Adam and Eve sinned, you know the story, God comes, he asks Adam, why'd you eat of the tree? Adam blames the woman, but he really doesn't blame the woman as much as he blames God, right? He says, the woman that you gave me, right? So here we see Adam, the first thing he does is blame other people. The next thing he does is blame God. And then God turns to Eve and says, why'd you do it? And she said, well, the serpent. So in the garden, we see the first time that someone blamed people, they blamed God, and they blamed the devil. That's still the pattern today. When we have problems in life, when we have issues in life, so many times what we do is we either blame other people, and things happen to us, right? People, man, people are broken, and they will try to break you, all right? So things happen. I'm not in denial about that. Uh, we'll blame other people, we'll blame God, or we'll blame the devil. And again, I'm aware that there's an enemy. 
I'm aware that he will hit you with things, that he will attack you with things. But here's the thing. According to the book of Proverbs, other people, God or the devil, are not determining the course of your life. So what's determining the course of your life? Your heart. Now, this is important, and um, this is what I found. The heart is the missing element in our lives. Because religion came and religion said, okay, if you can just change the behavior, if we can just change the behavior, everything's good. Now listen, there, there, I'm not saying there's never a place for behavior modification. There is. Right? I mean, if somebody's, if somebody's in a fire, you can't help them until you first pull them out of a fire. Right? So there is a place for behavior modification, but behavior modification is never the permanent solution. Now, over the last, you know, 50, 60 years and just the body of Christ and the last 10, 20, and the other thing I'm going to say, faith and grace teachings have come along and tell us, have told us, well, if you can get the right information, if you can get the right confession, if you can get, you know, as far as faith goes, if you can get the right confession, as far as grace goes, if you can get the right affirmation, everything will be all right. I can promise you in the 10 years I've been preaching this message, everything's not all right. All right, let's just be honest. Why? Because it's about the heart. All right? It's about the heart. The heart is what is missing in our life. So like I said, behavior modification has its place. Having the right information is imperative for you to renew your mind. You have to have the right information. You need the right confession. You need the, the, the right affirmation. That, that, that's important. But if behavior doesn't come from the heart, and if information doesn't get to the heart, then any transformation, any freedom that you experience, it will not be permanent. It will be temporary. All right? Um, and here's why I say that. Because so many times we've got issues in our heart. And we think the solution is change the behavior, change the confession, change the affirmation, get the right information... Or, you pray for me. If you'll lay hands on me, right? If you'll lay hands on me, maybe I'll finally experience some peace. Maybe I'll finally experience some freedom. And here's what you find out. You will, but it's temporary. If you don't deal with the heart. All right? So, um, just first I want to get a little technical. Because I want to talk about what is the heart. And listen, this is the struggle. The, I mean, I've taught a lot of stuff. The heart is the toughest thing to teach because it's so hard to define. Um, you know, somebody that's blessed my life is Dr. Jim Richards. Dr. Jim Richards literally wrote the book on the heart. Literally, has, everybody should read it. It's a fantastic book on the heart. But I was talking to him one day on the phone, and he said, for 50 years, my problem is trying to teach others something that is so hard to explain. Because how do you teach people? Sometimes God does a work in your heart and you can't explain it, you can just sense it. Right? You can just experience it. Okay? But here's what I want to get out, get, get to. The heart, let me say this, is not the spirit. The human heart is not the human spirit. 
And that, that was a common teaching in Word of Faith circles and, and things like that. And it doesn't do away with the things they were saying if you understand um, what they meant biblically, right? Um, and I think definitions are important. And, and me and Logan had this conversation the other day. I've had people come at me and say, well, you know, that's semantics. Not about this issue, but other things. And here's what I think. If you have the wrong definition, you'll reach the wrong conclusion. Yep. Yep. Is there semantics? And sometimes you're just splitting hairs, sure, right? But there are things we need to get correct, sure, all right? And I believe the heart is one of them. So how many knows God is intentional with his words in the Scripture? So in the New Testament, the word heart is the Greek word cardia. It's where we get cardiac. So we talk about cardiac arrest or, you know, different things. Uh, that's where that comes from. It's cardia. But when he talks about the spirit, he uses the word pneuma. Now, if they were the same thing, God could have used the same word. But he didn't. And there's many times you see pneuma and cardia in the same verse. So they are different things. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. Let's look at this really quick. You can probably quote it by this time. We talk about it a lot. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now, this is why this is important. In your, I, it, what I'm going to say this morning is not doing away with any of the truths of your born-again spirit. In your spirit, you're one with him. In your spirit, you're holy, you're perfect. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sin can't touch your spirit. It can't penetrate your spirit. The moment you got the moment you received Jesus, you were heaven ready. But the heart is not the spirit. All right, look here at Ephesians 3, uh, verses 14 through 17. It's, so this is Paul praying here. And this is, this is a powerful prayer. Um, but I just want to point out one thing about this prayer. He says... For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We talked about that last week. Verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now let me say this first. The inner man is the heart. The inner man is just the part of you you can't see. Your spirit, your soul, your body. The inner man is the spirit and the soul combined. That is your heart. All right? But I don't want to get technical, but just so you know. Verse 17. But now here's the, the part that really rocked my world a few years back. That Christ, what's those next two words? Now, who's he, who's he praying for? The church at Ephesus. Believers. So he says the Lord is one spirit with your spirit. But here he prays, I pray that Christ may dwell in your heart. This is the way I read scripture. Well, if he's praying that Christ would dwell in my heart, that means that it's possible that he doesn't dwell in my heart. Now, now this is the reason we struggle with this because, again, you have the wrong definitions, you'll reach the wrong conclusions. For years we've prayed, you know, just ask Jesus into your heart, right? And again, it is true in the sense he comes to dwell in your spirit and he's one with your spirit. But now this word may dwell is very interesting in the Greek. It means to influence. 
that Christ may influence your heart through faith. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. So he's saying here, I pray that Christ would be the one who is influencing your heart. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. Who's influencing your heart? Because it's possible for you to be a believer and Jesus not the one who's influencing your heart. The enemy can be influencing your heart, right? But let me say this, other people can be influencing your heart. Many times, because of things that have happened to us, we spend more time dwelling upon what others have done to us than what Christ did for us. And many times it's not that we spend more time dwelling on what they did to us as much as what they did to us holds much more weight in our hearts than what Christ did for us. Now, like I said, technically speaking, the heart is the inner man. We're just getting the technicalities out of the way. The, the heart is the inner man, but practically speaking, every individual in here this morning, you know what your heart is intuitively. Because how do I know? You say things like, I love you with all my heart. I mean that with all my heart. That broke my heart. Right? So, so we... We know what our heart is. And here's the thing about it. Only you and God truly know what's in your heart. Can I tell you something? The devil doesn't even know what's in your heart. He doesn't know everything. You know what the devil knows? Well, we let him know. All right? And so only you and God know what's in your heart. But, so here's what I want to get at this morning. We must learn to become good stewards of our heart. God recreates our spirit, but we must guard the heart. It is our responsibility. And this is why this is tough for us. Thank God for what we've learned through grace and about faith righteousness. I'm so thankful for that. And it's laid the foundation for my entire life. But here's the thing. Grace does not dismiss our need for personal responsibility and accountability. It does not. Okay? It does not. And our, so here's what I'm saying. Our heart is our responsibility. So we, we are the ones who... Det- Listen, you can't help what people do to you. you. And you know what I mean by that. I know to a degree you can, but you understand what I'm saying. But you can control whether or not it influences your heart. So we choose what seed goes in our heart, and we choose what seed grows. Therefore, ultimately, we are the ones who are in control of our destiny. And when I say destiny, I just mean we're the ones who are in control of the results that we see, the fruit that we see in our lives. So, and let me say this, the quality and the course of your life, it's not determined by your born-again spirit. If that was the case, every single individual in here and watching at home and all around the world who who is born again, we would everyone be seeing the same results. Now that's a good starting place. You need to know your identity. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know what Jesus has done for you. But ultimately, that is not determining the course of your life. The condition of your heart is determining the course of your life. Luke 4 verses 16 through 19. 
So here's Jesus, and he's going to be preaching. He's, he's sharing his first sermon, right? Um, and he says here, so he came to Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, where he'd been brought up, and we're back in the New King James. As his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, I love this, because you know what this tells me? This scripture was burning in his heart. Because they gave him an opportunity, and this is where he took it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, look here, to heal the broken hearted. Now, when we think about the healing ministry of Jesus, we think about bodily healing, physical healing. That is very important. But here, that's not mentioned. The first thing that's mentioned is to heal the broken hearted. Many times we think we need physical healing. You don't need physical healing as much as you need your heart to be healed. Because let me tell you, so here's what I'm getting at this morning. Our problems usually in life, listen to me, is usually a broken and a bruised heart. And if you sit there and you think, no, I don't have anything in my heart, praise God. But listen, I guarantee if you'll get along with Jesus, he wants to show you some bruising. Um, I, I was, the Lord showed me recently in time with him. He said, you feel the bruising, but I see the bruising. You feel it and you know something's wrong. You know this is a soft spot, but I know how it got there. I know what caused it. You know, our little Finn right now, he's got a bruise on his face. I'm like, where'd you get that? He can't tell me, right? He can't tell me. He just knows he got it. But you know, God knows where that bruise came from, right? But he even knows where in life you were bruised. Where in life it, your heart was broken. And here's why I'm here. He says, he sent me not to just reveal a broken heart, Because a lot of us find out we have a broken heart and we just stop there. But Jesus said, no, he sent me to heal the broken heart. See, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. But he said, but I came to heal. He sent me. I was sent to heal the broken hearted. And what happens when the broken hearted are healed? The captives are set free. The blind receive their sight. And the oppressed are set at liberty. And then you know what they discover? The acceptable year of the Lord. But it begins with letting Him heal your broken heart. In the Hebrew language, and I shared this briefly with you all last week, in the Hebrew language, the words heart and house are connected. They can't be separated. The Hebrew language was done in a way, it, it, it's the genius of God. Because the Hebrew language is done in a way that it gives you a vision. It's not just like, oh, A, right? It's, it's when you see that letter, you think it paints an image on the inside of you. So the image that it's painting is your heart is like a house or like a home. 
And within that house, there are many access points. Doors, windows, you know, whatever. And how many knows if you don't make sure that each of those entry or access points are locked, if a thief comes by and he recognizes he has access, how many knows he's going to come in? And when he comes in, he's going to steal, kill, and destroy. Are there demonic assaults? Yes. Are there demonic attacks? Yes. But many times the issue isn't we need delivered. The issue is we need our broken hearts healed. Because those access points reveal attitudes and beliefs and memories of the heart. And when we don't deal with them, it's like leaving your door unlocked. And if the enemy comes by, turns the knob, and realizes he can come in, you know what he's going to do? He's going to come in. And he's going to wreak havoc in our life. So we need to, so we really need to evaluate what's the issue here. Because let me say this, the enemy can't take your reservation in heaven. He can't. Your salvation is secure. He cannot take that. Your one job, keep looking to Jesus. As it, when it comes to your salvation, you just keep looking to Jesus, right? He can't take your reservation in, he, in heaven, but he can make your life here hell. But he seeks whom he may devour. A few, uh, few months ago, at, in our neighborhood, you know, people caught people, kids on camera. I don't know if they were kids, but they were just going around seeing if they could get in, you know, checking doors, people's cars. And they done some damage, but you know who they did damage to? The ones who left unlocked doors, right? When we make sure our doors are locked, when we make sure our heart is healthy, our heart is sound, then that limits the damage the enemy can do in your life. Now, I'm not saying everything that happens in your life is the reason, you know, is your, your fault. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you can limit what the devil can do in your life. He seeks whom he may devour. He'll attack anyone. He'll throw fiery darts at anyone. But he can't devour everyone. And he knows that. So what we need to realize, and just what I want you to do in your heart this morning as I'm teaching, I just want you to say, Lord, show me the bruising. Show me the breaking. And let's get this thing healed. All right? Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 13 Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And he, so Jesus gave a parable of the sower. And uh, he, gave, he gives this parable, and like always, the disciples come to him, and they're like, we didn't understand a word of that. You know? And uh, they're like, can you explain it to us? And so listen what Jesus says before he gives them the explanation. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Here's what he's saying. If you don't understand this teaching, how will you understand any of my teachings? The most important verse in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is not John 3.16. Praise God for John 3.16. It's got a lot of people saved. Praise God for that. The most important verse in the Gospels is Mark 4.13. Because here Jesus points you to the teaching 
and says, if you can get this, the rest of it you won't struggle with. When people write me about the Gospels, the parables, and, and I get these questions a lot, I will never answer the parable they're asking me about. I will always say, go back to the parable of the sower. And if you can understand the parable of the sower, you'll figure this one out. All right? So listen to what he says here. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now here's what I believe. I believe these two, these two uh, hearts usually fall under the category of people who are new to the faith. That's what I think. Now I'm not saying they can't be people who's been in this 20, 25 years, but I think you primarily see those among new believers. Here's the one, verses 18 and 19, that I think is where most believers find themselves. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So remember the heart and house illustration that the Hebrew language teaches us. How many knows in a house you've only got so much room? And sometimes you have to declutter because you need more room. The problem is we're putting the word in our heart, but many times it can't bear fruit because it's being choked by all the junk. It's being choked by the memories. It's being choked by, you know, the, the anxiety, by the fear, by the bitterness, it, by the anger. It's being choked by these things. And so we keep hearing the Word, hearing the Word, hearing the Word, because we think our solution is we need to hear more. Listen, if you've been hearing the Word, hearing the Word, hearing the Word, hearing the Word, and it's not working, you need to get some junk out. Sometimes the, the answer is not more information. I would dare say anybody who's been coming to this church for a long time, listen, I'd say we're about tapped out with what we've got to share. Now, there's fresh revelation, right? But it's always building on the same thing. It's a new way of looking at something. Right? So I'm saying the, the answer is not always you need more information. The answer is you've got some stuff in there that's keeping that information from profiting you any. And then look here in verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, they accept it or they receive it, and they bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, let me say this. The, here's what Jesus is saying in verse 20, and, and this throughout this teaching. Um, Paul tells Timothy, he says... Um, don't listen to those who tell you to deny the words of the Lord Jesus. Now listen to me. We, I'm not necessarily saying me and Jeremiah, but I will say me. In the past, I have dangerously walked that line of denying the words of the Lord Jesus. How? 
Well, the four Gospels, that's the Old Covenant. Jesus was ministering under the Old Covenant. There's only one problem with that. Jesus said, Jesus denied that. He said the law and the prophets, which is what? The Old Covenant, were preached until John. Since then, the kingdom is preached, and every man presses into it. Jesus was not an Old Covenant minister. Jesus preached in the in-between. The Old Covenant's back here, the New Covenant's up here. And this is the in-between. Did he at times use the law to show the legalists, listen, that can't save you? Yes, he did. Did he at times point to the glorious truths of what's to come in the New Covenant? Yes, he did. But primarily what Jesus was teaching us is how to get the Word in our hearts and working. What do I mean by working? Bearing fruit. So he said the Word is a seed, and you need that Word in your heart, but the problem is you've got stuff going on in your heart. Let's deal with the heart. Always addressing the heart. I did a search last night. The two places you find the heart spoken of the most, the book of Proverbs and the four Gospels. Now, Paul talks about the new man. Paul talks about what's true of you in the spirit, what's true legally. And I'm not saying he doesn't address the heart. He does address the heart. But Jesus, as in the in-between, man, what was, what was he sent to do? To heal the broken hearted. Jesus wasn't trying to convert people as much as he was trying to heal them. Because if he didn't first heal their hearts, they would never receive the glory of what was about to come. So let's go to Matthew 18, 16. This is where, this is where you might get mad. Jesus' focus in his ministry was the heart. Now there is an example here, a story given that it can trip us up as grace ministers and, and things like that. But um, That's not where I wanted to go. Let's see here. So what I want to look at, find it really quick. Where's the rich young ruler at? So the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do? Matthew 19. So go to Matthew 19. What must I do that I may inherit eternal life? That's right. Thank you, Logan. Matthew 19, verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now this is what trips us grace people up. We think eternal life is heaven. That is not what they were thinking. Scripture interprets Scripture, and this is life eternal, that they may know you. right? So eternal life is really what he's asking here is, how can I know God? I want to know God. All right. Look here what Jesus says. So how, what must I do that I may know God? Verse 17, so he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Here's all he was saying is, if you're going to call me good, you might as well call me good, uh, God. So if you want to know what God is like, if you really want to know God, look at me. That's what he's saying here. But if you want to enter into life, not heaven, 
If you want to enter into life, look here, this is going to throw us, keep the commandments. The word commandments in the Greek, do you know what it means? It does not mean rules. It doesn't mean regulations. It means prescriptions. It means boundaries. So if you want to enter into life, you know what life is? Peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Keep the commandments. But don't think of that as, if I don't do this, God's not going to bless me. He's saying, God has already given you the prescriptions for life. God has already given you the boundaries for life. And do you know what sin is? Sin is when you go outside those boundaries. Everything, even under the law that God called sin, it was because, listen, I had somebody recently, they were like, you know, it's not the commandments of the law, right? That's not what he's talking about. Well, here's, here's my problem with that. Nobody's life got better because they murdered someone. No one's life got better because they stole from someone. No one's life got better because they committed adultery. I'm going somewhere, and I promise, I know this is tough to swallow right now because it sounds like we're contradicting, but I promise you we're going somewhere with this. So he's saying, here's really what he's saying. You, you want peace, you want love, you want joy, you want to know God? Look, look here, all right? I just did a, uh, I taught on Jeremiah's uh, radio broadcast last week, and I did a series, and one day I took a, um, I did a message on... The series was God Revealed, and one of the ways God reveals himself is through his commandment. Do you know God has never commanded his people to do anything that doesn't reveal his character? Listen, the commandments of God don't think what I must do and what I must not do to be saved. Here's what you need to think. The commandments of God are a revelation of his morals. They're a revelation of his integrity. They're a revelation of what he thinks we should do and how we should, how we should uh, order our life. All right? But let me read on here. I, I don't want to get onto this. But um, verse 18. He said to him, so I can't. I've got to do this. All right. <laughs> Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, which, by the way, uh, Logan taught me this. If you read in Matthew 5, 1, Jesus was not speaking to thousands of people. It says he's seen the multitudes, and he went up on a mountain, and his disciples followed him, and he began to teach them. So he actually wasn't teaching them, hey boys, here's the old covenant. He was saying, hey, this is the way the kingdom's about to operate. Okay? But now listen to me. Where Jesus said, he said, listen, there's a road to destruction, many find that. There's a road to life, few find that. We think that's heaven, hell. You know how I know it's not heaven? The book of Revelation, John seen a number in heaven that he could not number. He said that multitude was so large he wouldn't even dare to try and number it. That sounds like more than a few to me. He's not talking about heaven. What's he talking about? He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. That's what he's talking about. He said to him, all right, so he says keep the commandments. Look here. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Now, I want you to notice the genius of Jesus here. Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, 
Go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. He wasn't, what was he doing? He was addressing his heart. He said, yeah, you've kept the commandments. That's good. Those are the divine prescriptions. Those are the boundaries for your life. Good. But there's still a problem here. Notice, did you notice one that Jesus didn't mention? You shall not covet. It's almost like Jesus wanted to see if he would mention the one he wasn't keeping. Right? Because that's why the law can't save you. And don't misunderstand me. The law can't save you because out of ten, you'll never hit all ten. Never. Ever. So it can't give you, it can't give you salvation. Right? But so Jesus deals with his heart. And I want you to notice, this is such a telling lesson here. Verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Here's why I'm here. This morning, I am standing here on behalf of God saying, let's deal with your heart. You now have a choice. You can deal with it, or you can do like this man did and say, that's not dealing with that. I'm not doing that. Because here's the thing, guys. Dealing with your heart, it's painful. It is painful. Correcting doctrine is easy. And I love doctrine. I'm passionate about doctrine. I've dedicated my life to teaching doctrine. I'm passionate about it. I love it. But it's easy to correct. Why? All I got to do is overload you with information. That, that's my, basically my teaching style. Give you so much scripture, you can't deny it. But when it comes to the heart, no matter how much scripture I throw at you, if you don't want to deal with it, you won't. No matter how many times you sit down with a, with a pastor, with a friend, whoever, with those who have wronged you or that, that you have wronged, if you don't want to deal with it, you won't. So the first step in, in letting God heal your heart, letting Jesus heal your heart, is you have to decide right now, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to deal with this. Because Jesus, cause, so here's what I'm getting at. In his earthly ministry, Jesus dealt with hearts. In his priestly ministry that he's now operating in, guess what he's doing? He's still dealing with hearts. The fellowship that you and Jesus enjoy, you've not went as far as he wants to take it if, he's, if you're not allowing him to heal your heart. If you know you've got areas and you're like, don't touch that. All right? And I'm not trying to force anything on anybody. Right? It's your decision. It's between you and Jesus. But I'm saying, I'm telling you this morning, what I hear God saying is, I want to heal that broken heart. All right? And, and so let me say this. The journey of the heart will never go outside of the boundaries of Scripture. Even when Jesus wanted to deal with this man's heart, what did he do? He used scriptures, right? So it'll never go outside of the boundaries of scriptures. Why do I say that? God is never telling you it's okay if you have that bruise. It's okay if you have that break. Now, he is in the sense of he's saying, I'm not rejecting you. That's not what I'm getting at. But God is never pro-unforgiveness. 
God is never pro-bitterness. God is never pro-anger. God is never telling you to hold on to that. Now, He loves you in the midst of holding on to it. And He's sitting there just waiting. He's like, listen, whenever you're ready to deal with this, I'm right here. Right? He's not turning His back on you. That's not what I'm saying. But it will always entail you and Jesus walking through the Scriptures together. All right? And let me say this. So, what I'm saying about Jesus' uh, earthly ministry, people need to understand the problem has never been with what is written. It was how it was interpreted. See, people say, well, you know, the Pharisees knew the Scriptures. Yeah, they knew the Scriptures, but more so they were stuck in their interpretations of those Scriptures. Proverbs 17.20 says, The deceitful heart finds no good. Paul talked about those who would twist the Scriptures to their own destruction. What Jesus was dealing with was not a problem with the Scriptures. He was dealing with those who had twisted the Scriptures. He was dealing with what? Crooked hearts. All right. Um, so Jesus didn't correct the Old Testament scriptures; he corrected the faulty interpretations of them. All right. So let's get to the let's get to the tough stuff. Let's let's deal with our stuff. So we can't change what's happened in our past, but we can refuse to allow that person or event a place in our heart. Jesus is speaking this morning. He's speaking this morning. The journey to healing will be personal. It will be between you and Jesus. Now, you can get other people involved if you need other people involved, but it will be between you and Jesus at the end of the day. And it might look different for each individual in circumstances, but here are three things that I found that God will have you walk out in order to heal your broken and bruised heart. Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. We can almost quote it, but I just want to, real quick. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now let me say this. I know the way we... You, there is an element of truth to, yes, Jesus came to fulfill the animal sacrifices. He perfectly kept the commandments. Yes, there's truth to that. But in context, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. The word fulfilled doesn't just mean I completed it. The word fulfilled also means I revealed the intention of it. So he's saying I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. Now, let Scripture interpret Scripture. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Remember Jesus said, didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Let's see if that verbiage... Is ever, been, is ever used again. It is in Romans 13, 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. Look here. For he who loves another has done what? Has fulfilled the law. So you know what Jesus was actually saying in Matthew 5, 17? I came to show you the purpose of the Scriptures, which was what? To teach you how to walk in love. Jesus said... What are the greatest commandments? Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love people. Right? And he wasn't saying, listen, you don't have to worry about the commandments. You can throw that part of your Bible out. No, he's saying, listen, it's all summed up in one word. Love. So if you're interpreting and get outside of love, you've got the wrong interpretation. See, if you think, oh, thou shalt not murder as long as I don't kill anybody, I'm good, you're missing it. 
that, that's, that's not what he's, he's saying. No, unless you are protecting the life of another individual out of love, it's about love. Right? So, so Jesus came. So here's, what, here's what I'm getting at. Look here, verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there's any other commandment, they're all summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is not the doing away with the law as much as love is the purpose of everything God has ever said, written, put down, spoke. Love is always the intention. So here's what I'm getting at. And hear me, grace people. I just know there's somebody on the internet. I can just hear it. They're like, yeah, what about shrimp? What about the health laws? What about all these things? Listen, not one time in the Gospels or the New Testament is anything ever mentioned outside of the ten. I know we talk about the 613. Listen, the, the Old Covenant was based on ten. What about the other 603? They were just application and, you know, things to do with the ten. But they all come back to the ten. All right? So those ten are what I'm talking about. And I'm not telling you go to those ten and that's where you'll find salvation. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying read the Scriptures through the lens of love. So here's what I'm getting at. The healing balm or the healing medicine for your heart will always, always, always be love. Always. Always. You know, we talk about perfect love cast out fear. I did something recently, and I challenge you to do it. I read the book of 1 John every day for a couple weeks. I didn't do chapter 1 today. All of it. 1 through 5. One city. What you will find out is the way we preach many things isn't always correct. For example, we say perfect love, and we teach it as only it's just you knowing how much God loves you. That's love, but that's not perfected love. Because earlier he says that perfected love is keeping his word. What's his word? He says, if you hate your brother, you're in darkness. If you love your brother, you're in light. Do you know what perfected love is? I'm receiving the love of God, then I'm reciprocating the love of God, and I'm extending the love of God. That's, so, so why am I struggling with fear? I know God loves me. You've got to share it. You gotta release it. Alright? So so just receiving the love of God is selfish if you don't ever intend to share it. Alright, so so the healing medicine is always going to be love. And okay, let's get to it. Mark eleven, verse twenty two through twenty six. I know you're thinking, Good God, he's saying, let's get to it. We've been in this for forty minutes. I know what you're thinking, but but listen, God is speaking this morning. God is speaking this morning. Mark 11, verse 22 through 26. We're going to deal with these three things really quick. I'm going to go through these quick. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Here's what we do. Verse 22, New Covenant. Verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. We say New Covenant. Verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We yell, New Covenant. Verse 25, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Old Covenant! But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Old Covenant! 
Jesus didn't make the distinction. But here's what trips us up. We got to quit thinking of things only vertical. Jesus was dealing with the heart. And the heart involves people. Ministry, let me tell you something. Ministry, the Christian life, life in general would be great if it wasn't for people, right? Because we all got problems. We all got problems, right? Yeah, I sent, I sent Logan a picture today. said, I like coffee and three people. Uh, but here, listen, the word forgive here, here's what you have to understand. The word forgive means to send away, to release. So what Jesus was actually saying was, if you won't send that sin away that someone committed against you, God will not force you to deal with it. God can only heal that which you let Him heal. If you want God to do a work in your heart, you have got to send that thing away. What's that called? Forgiveness. So he's not talking about a legal transaction between you and God. He's talking about a principle of, I'm releasing this. I'm not going to let it influence my heart. I'm not going to let it sit on the throne of my heart. I'm releasing this. And when you release it, you know what God says? There's more room in your house now. There's more room in your house now. Now I can do something. Now I can do something. That's what he's talking about here. Right? So, and listen, listen to me. The path to healing, a broken heart, a bruised heart, it begins with forgiveness. Listen to me. And for every individual in here, walking that out may look different when you forgive someone. Right? It, it may look different, um, but it'll always come from the Scriptures. Right? It always has to be in line with the Scriptures and the wisdom of God and His voice as He leads you. But you know, the Scriptures will tell you, hey, there's some people you don't need to associate with. Forgive everybody, but don't eat with everybody. What's that mean? Listen, you, can, you have to... Forgiveness is not optional. That is a revelation for someone in here this morning that's got a bruised and break, broken heart. Forgiveness is not optional. Now, relationship with that person, that's optional. Right? That, but forgiveness and releasing them and getting that out of your heart, that's not optional. Saved? Yeah, if you believed in Jesus, you're saved. But listen, that stuff's going to eat you alive. It's like a poison in your body. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, it's the, it's the story of the man who had committed, you know, he, had, he was sleeping around with his mother-in-law or stepmother or something. Scholars kind of uh, are struggling with what was going on here. But he repented. And so Paul's dealing with him in his next letter, 2 Corinthians. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For indeed, I have forgiven anything. Uh, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the name of Christ. Let's go uh, in the presence of Christ, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. Unforgiveness. Listen, the enemy never has a legal right into a believer's life. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what sin you're in. The devil never gets a legal right into your life. Why? Because you're in Christ. That's your covenant with God. Right? He can't touch you legally. But what happens is, but here's, he don't need authority. He just needs an advantage. And when we are walking in unforgiveness, it's like we're, we're leaving our house with the door wide open knowing there's a thief circling the neighborhood. 
We're not ignorant of his devices. Unforgiveness is one of his devices. Like Andrew Womack says, the, it, unforgiveness allows the enemy to come in, eat your lunch, and pop the bag. Right? Unforgiveness is destructive. It's, forgiveness is not optional. So what do you do? Close the door. Lock the door. Forgive it. Forgive them. Like I said, you and Jesus got to walk this out. Because what people would do, and hear me out, I'm willing to talk to you, I know Jeremiah's willing to talk to you, but at the end of the day, a healing, in a, uh, a healing of a bruised and broken heart, at the end of the day, it will, only have, it will only take place as you and Jesus deal with your stuff. Man. So I can't lay hands on, on you for this. I can't counsel you through this. I'm, I'm glad to help you. I'm glad to pray with you. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the only one that can heal a broken heart. And the first thing he will instruct you to do, you know you have to forgive them, right? I'm not telling you, to, like I said, you've got to forgive everybody, but you don't have to eat with everybody. All right? Yep, that's good. It could be. Yep, yep, that's good. Yep, yep, it's a choice. That's good. Yep. That's good. Yep. It's a choice. And listen here. Go with me to Luke 6, 37 and 38. So listen to the three things that it's going to take that's, that you have to be willing to do if you want your heart healed. You have to be willing to walk in love. And you have to be willing to forgive. Now here's the third thing, and this one is tough. You have to release your judgment. Luke 6, 37, 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. That is not saying, don't tell somebody when they're doing wrong. If you see somebody doing something destructive, and it's your place, you let them know that's destructive. That's not what it's talking about. Yes. So listen. Judge not, you shall not be judged. That's not what, that's, it's not just saying you can't tell somebody what's right and wrong. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Look here, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. We use this about money. Now listen to me. Does it, does it apply to finances? Yes, everything is a seed. And you can sow money as a seed. I mean, anything you give, it's a seed, right? But in the context, what's he saying here? Give forgiveness. Give mercy. Give grace. And what will happen? It will be given to you. He's not talking about God. The King James Version brings this out real good. When it says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men put into your bosom. You know what I found? People forgive me easy. Do you know why? I'm a very forgiving person. People are very merciful towards me. Do you know why? 
because I am very merciful towards them. But when you hold on to things, when do you know the people who are judged the harshest in the court of public opinion? It's those who judged the hardest before they were the ones on trial. For with, look here, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So judgment is not saying whether something is right or wrong. That's not what Jesus is referring to here. We must know what is right and wrong. All right? The judgment Jesus is referring to here is when you're... Listen to me. This is what God wants to do in your heart this morning. When you claim to know why someone did what they did, that's the dangerous road. Because that is usurping the authority of God. God alone knows the hearts of men. That's what qualifies him to sit on the throne on Judgment Day. And when we say, and, and, and the Bible is clear in the New Testament, what's going to be judged is our thoughts and our, our intentions, why we did what we did. And God is the one on the throne, not, not somebody else. Why? Because he's the only one who knows what's in the heart. Why is a dangerous road. And can I share something with you? You know where why will usually end up back at? It'll end up back with you. What do I mean by that? Why'd they do that to me? Uh, why, why did that happen? Usually you end up blaming yourself somehow. Usually you're the one ending up in condemnation. You're the one ending up in guilt. You're the one ending up in shame. Listen, you have got to release your judgment of why. Now, he goes on and he says, listen, judge the fruit. What's the fruit? The fruit's the action. Listen, if, if, if you stink with money, I'm not going to give you my money, right? If you've got a track record, over and over and over, you're doing the same thing, I can take note of that and make wise decisions based on that. But I never have the right to say, and this is why you do that. Never. Never. I make decisions off of fruit but I have to release you. Listen, why is a dangerous road? All right, and here, here, let me say this. An offended heart, do you know what an offended heart is the result of? A judging mind. You don't get offended in your heart until you assume to know why someone did what they did. You know when people get the most offended at me when I minister is when they assume I'm preaching at them. I know what they're going through. I know what they're doing, and you're preaching at me. All right? When we assume to know why, it's because we, we end up offended because we end up with a judging mind. All right? Let me, let me share this. All right. Well, I still want to know why. Okay. I'm going to give you the why you have been wronged by people, you've been hurt by people, you've been abused by people, you've been manipulated by people, you've been deceived by people. Are you ready for this? I'm going to give you the why. People are stupid. There is your why. You don't need to go any further than that. Now listen, listen to this. Listen to me. Yeah, yeah. Listen what I'm saying. 
This is what I'm saying, okay? In a, on a more serious tone. People are broken. People are broken. And broke people, they break people. They do dumb things. They hurt people. Hurt people, what do they do? They hurt people. There's, you know, that's why abuse tends to be generational. It's because one child was broken, and then he breaks his child, and then she breaks her child, and brokenness tends to be generational. Go to Revelation chapter 3. So listen, we have got to release what they did we have got to release any assumption why they did it. And you know one of the best ways to do this? I'm going to tell you something practical, speaking, that Jesus will have you do to walk in love, forgiveness, and releasing of your judgment. He'll have you to pray for them. That's the one thing I know anyone in here with a, with a wounded heart, I know that's the one thing he will tell you to do. He will tell you to pray for them. I've had people, you know, we, Keisha and I went through this thing one time. Right, right when our son had passed away, we had someone send her a text one night, and it just stole our peace. It was just, I mean, it was malicious. It was terrible. And I had that, that was in my heart for, for a couple months. Like, I was carrying that. One morning, I dropped Graham off at school, and I can remember where I was on the road. I was on my way home. It was a beautiful morning. And God spoke to me, and he said, pray for that person. Now, I knew it was different. I knew he was not just like, oh, just pray. That's what we do. You know, just pray for him. God bless him. People are stupid. Just pray for him. You know, no. God was saying, it's time to deal with this. Now, just like the rich young ruler, I had a choice. I could say that's too painful to do, or I could, by faith, without the feeling, make a choice. I'm going to pray for this person. I prayed for this person, and I did it with my whole heart. I mean... Now, sometimes you may have to pray over and over and over and over. I'm sure it depends on how great the offense. But ultimately, before I got home, and it was only a 10-minute trip, that was completely out of my heart. I have not said a bad word about that person to anyone since. I've not had a bad thought about that person since. Why? Because it's just, that's releasing them. That's releasing. It's hard to, it's hard to be mad at somebody when Jesus has you praying for them. All right? So Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, last place, and then we're finished. So this is a verse that we tend to use in evangelism. Jesus speaking said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Here's our problem with this being an evangelistic verse. He's talking to the church. Remember what I said? So if he's standing at the door and knocking, remember what I said about the heart? Your heart is a home. So he's standing outside your heart, knocking. He's in your spirit, and he's sitting there, and you've not let him in your soul. You've not let him in your heart, so he's sitting there knocking. I want in. What's he want to do with you? He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. You ain't got to eat with everybody, but you need to eat with Jesus. Because at dinner... Talk about stuff. You fellowship about stuff. It meant much more in this culture than it does to ours. Right? But here's what I want to get to. Verse, verse 21. To him who overcomes. 
Now, we tend to read that and think, all right, we know the book of Revelation. We know it's talking about this tribulation period, Antichrist, Mark of the Beast, all that stuff. If we'll overcome all that, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll sit on... No. Here's what... This is, this is a quickening of the Spirit this morning. He's saying if you will overcome that grief, if you will overcome that abuse, if you will overcome that offense, if you will overcome that betrayal, if you will overcome that junk, I will grant you to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Here's what I'm saying. You, do you know why it hurts you when people do you wrong? Because you weren't made for that. You were not created. Listen, I don't care what lies the enemies told you. You were not created to be abused. You were not created to be uh, manipulated. You were not created to be deceived. You were not created uh, all these things. You were created to sit on a throne. You were created to sit on a throne. But you can't sit on you can't sit on the throne. If you're too worried, if your heart's overtaken with cares and and, and all these things with the abuse and the manipulation and the lies. Listen, you can't sit on the throne. The throne is yours. You were created to sit on it. But you got to overcome this stuff. A king is a king. You know what makes the word of a king powerful like it says in Ecclesiastes? Because what he says, he means. But you can't be sitting there meditating on the word, dwelling on the word, as long as you're sitting there meditating on what happened, dwelling on what happened. Listen, guys, I have walked this stuff out. I have. I've walked this out. It's tough. It's hard. But listen, Jesus wants to heal you. He majors in this stuff. Your whatever it is you've got to... And, and listen, I know stuff's bad. Every time I share this... You know, I've, you know, anytime I share anything about a bruised and broken heart, there's always people who come to me and says, yeah, but, listen, as lovingly as I can put this, your situation is not an exception to this truth. And I know we want it to be. I know you want it to be. But it's not an exception. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they hurt me, but I, I give, I, I'm going to give what 
they don't deserve. Yeah. I'm going to give forgiveness. They don't deserve it. It's not about what they deserve. It's about what is what we need. And um, I want. And for me, I have a very tight sense of honor and justice. And yet, I I have found my heart to still vindicate things because it's not right. It's wrong. What they're doing is wrong. Right. And I'm assuming like, well, I'm, I'm feeling rejected because I've already tried to figure it out in five thousand different conversations in my heart and head why they did what they did. It doesn't matter why they did it. Mercy says it doesn't matter why. Yeah. Forgive. Yeah. Like, because then we are now measuring according to, to uh, uh, measurements and according to uh, uh, what's earned and what's deserved. And God doesn't operate that way. Yeah. God operates by love. And love, love can't be earned. Love cannot be deserved. Well, you're, every, every story, if you're holding something in your heart and it's due with someone else, they're the villain in your story, right? You know what makes it easy for me to forgive people? When I realize there are people out there who got a story, guess who's the villain in the story? By their words, I'm the villain in the story, Right? That, so that, that makes it easier for me. And that's what Paul was getting at. He wasn't trying to be like, well, you know, under the old covenant, it's forget to be forgiven. Because let me say, here's the problem, and I want to bring this point out. Anybody has a problem with, oh, you're saying that that was new covenant, what Jesus was saying, forgive to be forgiven? There's one problem with that. There is not one Old Testament scripture, not one, that says forgive and you'll be forgiven. Not one. He was teaching the kingdom principle. He was not teaching about legal forgiveness. But that's where Paul would come along and say, you forgive others as Christ has also forgiven you. Right? So, so we, we, but here's this morning. I'm closing. I'm come on up, Jeremiah. What, we're going to, what I want to say this morning is you have, an, you have a choice. I said before you this day, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You know what life is? Love, forgiveness, releasing the judgment. That's, that's life, right? And so you have a choice this morning like the rich young ruler. You can walk away and say, I'm not going to deal with this. And you'll still be frustrated. Because, listen, all that's hurting ultimately, yeah, it's hurting. It's only hurting you. And it's hurting those in your life that you're, you know, you get what I'm saying. But you have a choice this morning. You can let Jesus heal your heart or you can do like the rich young ruler and say, that's, I'm not going to deal with that. I've got too much to lose. You've got a lot to lose, but I'm telling you, you've got a lot more to gain. Yeah, right. Amen. You've got a lot more yeah, to gain. Right. So, uh, yeah, Jeremiah, come on up, man. Let's just close. Pull that last scripture up on the screen, too, if you don't care. Go ahead. That's okay, then. I'll, we'll just talk about it. Go ahead. 
it's, it's so, um, yeah, go ahead. You know, it's just like I shared a couple of weeks ago, you know, that I'm trying to get to the next level. And it's kind of fun how these last few weeks have really, honestly, catered to what I have going on on a personal level. And so, you know, I shared that to get to a next level, then I was having to deal with here and here, you know. And what God showed me that morning was that, you know, those people were just stupid. So thank you, Grant, for that confirmation. <laughs> so here's the thing. That bruised heart, and I'll talk about me because, you know, I, that's a subject I understand. Uh, that bruised heart. I can go the rest of my life, and that bruise can stay right there. And God loves me. God's going to use me to, you know, to help him do whatever he, you know, I accept for him to help me, let me help him with and whatever he will let me help with. However I want to walk out this world, I can do that. And I could have that bruise. But I know God loves me. And I know that, you know, he's shining a mirror to me to say, you know that bruise that's right there? That's not mine. And But I got, like I told Grant last week, that's like spiritual salve. I've got some spiritual salve for you. And so when we can identify, here's what happened, here's how I feel about it, to say those people were stupid, you know, let me forgive them. Whatever that means. If that means I'm praying for them, if that means I'm having a conversation with them, if that means, you know, you know what, God, we're just going to keep this with us. God will help you with whatever that answer is. And so when that spiritual salve comes in and heals that spot, there's so much that gets released. Yes. And it's kind of like, have you ever met that old person who was just the sweetest person that you ever met? And you think, there's no way that they ever had anything bad in their life because they're just so sweet. And then you find out their history, and you, fi you find out that they've been through one turmoil after another in their life. And you think, well, gosh, how did they get to be so sweet? Because... They release that to God and let God heal them with his spiritual salve. And that's where he wants us to go. He wants us to deal with those things that are in our heart because he wants our heart to be whole and good, you know. And as long as we're holding these things inside of us and saying, you know, yeah, they're there. And yeah, that door is open and the, and the enemy can come in and he'll be like, poke, you know. Let's talk about that. And then, you know, then your feelings get all, you know, you know, angry again. Talking about me. And at that person, and they are the villain, you know. And, and so my entire life, I've held them as that villain. I have this villain that I can go like this with. See? See that? See that? But that's not, what, that's not of God. It's not what he wants. He wants us to say, you know what? I forgive you. And that means... That door's locked. The, the enemy can't get in there anymore. And not only is the door shut, locked, but God healed it. So the door doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I just want to say something else before I kind of open it up here. You know, normally speaking, I would be preaching this morning. That's the normal way of doing things. But I knew that I knew that I knew in my heart that I didn't have the word. And I reached out to him. I was like, look, man, I really, you know, just we pray about it, you know. And so I say all that to say this. This is a word for everyone in here and for those online. And there is an opportunity to be healed here. But but you you don't get healed from this by hearing this message only. Because man, you could you could because just like that scripture, the last scripture, Jesus is knocking on the door. And he's saying, I want to come in and I want to heal that place. But notice he doesn't bust down the door. Notice he doesn't make, he will never force you to allow your heart to be healed. He will only invite you. And so I I encourage you to not let this moment in time pass. Because how many other moments are you going to get just like this where God, I mean, I know God's still going to come after you and try to heal you because that's how he is, but don't have heard this message walk out those doors and say, man, what's for lunch today? And what I got going on next week? What's going on? And not have heard the knock. And 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 not to have allowed him in. And, and honestly, I, I don't know that that portion of ministry, him knocking on your letting him in, is going to happen right here this morning. That's really important to understand. This is a go to your house. Go to your room, go to your prayer closet, lay down in your bed and have a conversation with Jesus and let him in because he's like, you know what? I love you far too much to see you limping around like that anymore. And I want to heal you of this limp because I got places I want to take you and I got places where you can only get there through running and not through limping. And he's looking to heal that heart this morning. So. Yeah, and this is how much he loves us. Amen? Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Grant. Thank you for sharing that. Does anybody else have anything in closing? Got something? Go ahead.